Thanks to everyone who supported the show this week via Patreon, including Mick Cowans, Ian Mercer, Alistair Harding, Ian Wilkinson, Matt Lacey, Illico Elia, Roland Roberts, and Jamie Holland. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so from $1 per episode. Go to 361podcast.com forward slash support. There we go. Are you recording? <laughs> yeah, ready to start clapping before we recorded it. That's no use to us, right? Yes, trying to clap before we start recording. <laughs> but my brain had just uh, desequenced itself. What? Desequenced? You see, this this is what it's like with working with posh people. You're in. Yeah. They say they f up, but <laughs> they say it in a very <laughs> regular. <laughs> no, no, you'll find I desequenced. Um, I'm sorry. I'm just my, my jokes just desequenced all over your living room floor. Hang on, with that accent, you're accusing me of being posh. Right, let's what? do some claps. Ready? Hello and welcome to 361, a podcast about mobile tech and the world around it. My name is Ewan McLeod. I'm Ray Flumford. And I'm Ben Smith. This is season 19, episode 8, and this week in our One Question, Three Answers series, listeners are asking us how we read and enjoy books. Chaps, how are you doing? Very well, thank you, Ben. Isn't it exciting to be back recording the podcast? Yes. Thank you, Rafe Blanford. We've had a pep talk from you and McLeod pre-show to up our game. So welcome. Thank you very much. More energy, more excitement, more expression. And passion. Passion, please, guys. Yeah. And hello to new listeners who may not uh, know what on earth is going on. So uh, hello to Rafe Blanford coming live from central London and from Ewan McLeod coming to us from Muscat Amman. And I am in the That's right. Hampshire countryside. Yeah. Ultra authentic Rafe today. <laughs> Doing another one question, three answers format show this week where listeners write in and ask us one question and we come up with three answers, or at least we try to. <laughs> But uh, before we get into that, and I can see that you're both yes. absolutely raring to go for that. One of my favourite topics. He's bringing the passion. He's bringing the passion and the energy. Yeah. Although he is jumping, he's doing star, you know, no, don't do the star jumps. Oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> he literally is trying. Uh, yeah. For the uninitiated, we record these using Zoom, and I can see you in a Rafe, and I'm beginning to pine for the days where I couldn't, if I'm honest. <laughs> I think I just preferred that. <laughs> that dead black box and an avatar. <laughs> it was maybe a better way to do this. Yeah. Uh, we used to say, we miss the personal connection of recording these live in a studio, the three of us together. But actually, no, I, I'm, mm. I think I'm okay with it. <laughs> yeah, move on. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, gentlemen, it's good to see you. Right. We've agreed not to do any running narrative on lockdowns or not lockdowns because the lag on these episodes is so long. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it great? Isn't it annoying? Yeah. That's us covered. Yeah. We'll just acknowledge that some things have happened and then some different things happened and some of those things were good and some of those things were bad and we'll move on. (laughs) But we have got a bit of follow-up. So in the last couple of episodes, we started to run a... Is this a promotion, Ewan? I mean, would you describe this as a promotion? I think it's an incentive. An incentive. I think it's an incentive and, you know, to encourage anyone who's listening, (laughs) all three and a half of you. Both of you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Um, If you do feel like writing a review on the Apple podcast thing, Blanford, the Rafe Blanford will write you a physical postcard. And I think this is awesome. Now, we started this before I realized what Apple had done to their podcast app. And it is a bit of a train wreck. And I appreciate actually that quite a number of people who've written their reviews now have actually listen on Android, but have found an iOS device to write their review. So now that is commitment. If you have done that, then you are the best person and my favorite listener. So thank you very much. So yeah, if you want to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, go to 361podcast.com. There's a link right there in the middle on the front page to show you how, if that would help a little picture, or you can just leave a review. And then if you get in contact with us and people have been tweeting us with screenshots mm. or they've been emailing through the website, 361podcast.com, there's a contact link there. Let us know that it was you that posted which review. Obviously, we'd love it to be a five-star review, but it doesn't have to be. Mm. It could be a good review, bad review. If it's critical, I'd love it to be funny, to be honest, so that we can talk about it. Yeah. And um, yeah, let's have an address, and Rafe Blanford will get one of his special concrete commemorative slash icons of the British coast slash weird 
bit of archaeology. He's holding one up for me. What's that one, Rafe? What is this one? It's a Roman one there. Now he's got Roman ones. Oh, there we go. What's that say? Roman. Someone will be very lucky and be getting the Ribchester helmet postcard because it's blank at the moment. Fair enough. I've already done the lighthouse one and Kerleon. There we go. Well, And Rafe Blanford will break out his best nib and write you a lovely postcard. And then there'll also be a chance, I suspect, probably in the next episode or two, when we will do a little round up and a draw and somebody will win mm. a, uh, a Blanford Estate commemorative mug, a very special limited edition that we did a few years back. And I will send you in the post your own Blanford Estate mug with a picture of Rafe's ancestral home and some commemorative text on the back. And I have to say, I think everyone who owns one considers it their most prized possession. And mm. that includes above children as well. Yes. Not 100% authentic, I have to say. It is a thing of beauty, Rafe, yes. and it, consider it a tribute. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm still working on the website, by the way. Absolutely. If you can guess the website, you might find it. There we go. But it's not, it's not publicly in the... Um, We're going for a soft launch on the whole Blamford Estate brand, I think. It is a passion project, as the phrase goes. Yeah. I believe you're still speaking to the estate lawyers. I very much imagine that we'll have a range of organic hummus by the end of next year. So, you know, <laughs> it should be good. Okay, so yeah, please do uh, send your reviews in. It's fun for us. It's been really nice to hear from people. Uh, let's actually let's just dip into a few. So I was yeah, super grateful because obviously we know from the stats that most of our listeners are in the UK and that's lovely. Thank you because that's where we started, even though you and McLeod has been banished to various places since. <laughs> but we actually, most of the people who've written in so far have been from overseas. So thanks to Damien who wrote in from the States. Five stars, yes. comment, buttery smooth. Oh, I think he's talking about me. I think, oh, definitely not Rafe. Well, I think Mark, the editor, can take the credit for that. Definitely not Rafe. It's a sandpaper coming out of his microphone. Oh, and I've got a special mention. Uh, Frederick Lindstrom. Yes. From Sweden. Thank you very much for your generous five-star review. Hi. Which was great. Yes. Unlike you, and I'm not going to try and fake any Swedish. Well, they, they do say hi. Yeah. And, okay, fair enough. I'm going to yeah. tack. Isn't that thank you in Swedish? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I was tack. saying that earlier here, and it wasn't going down that well. No, well. I said tack to a man. few of my colleagues yeah. here. And they, yeah, they thought, no, and it's the wrong language. Yeah, confused. Yeah, so used to saying tack. Anyway, sorry. Frederick. Jump on Twitter or drop us an email through the website and we will send you a postcard because I don't have an address for you, Frederick, but uh, thank you for your, uh, your review from Sweden. Yeah, tack, tack. And uh, thank you to Chris from Ireland who sent us one referencing concrete and uh, there's one here from an MC Fontaine uh, who, who I believe might be a certain Mr. Mark Cotton, editor of the show. Oh. But um, I think he's just angling for us to cut these episodes down to the clear hour that we agreed he'd edit rather than the hour 20 nonsense that we send him. So thank you very much. Yes. Lovely reviews. And uh, thank you to everybody else who sent in notes as well and all your correspondents. Steve Karmynski, uh, mm. by the time this goes out, I should have responded. But Steve sent me four emails on the trot about various episodes, about topics. And the trouble is... Good man, Steve. Well, the thing is, yeah, Steve actually knows what he's talking about. So I've put them in my folder of read these when I'm sober and have the brain space <laughs> to respond because I think to say to Steve, oh yeah, lovely idea would be to underserve it. But <laughs> I really appreciate those notes, Steve. Thank you. And it's really nice to read when people write in because frankly, that provides the basis for a good chunk of the show. So thanks for that. Yes, it's very, very well-informed listeners. We're very lucky. I think. Well, the, the, the nice thing about our listeners is they know more than us. So I just consider it like a real-time kind of proofreading thing where they write in and go, actually, no, but uh, it's been really good. On that note, before we get into the meat of today, two very quick bits of follow-up. Uh, Ian Wallace wrote in and said he'd noticed that in the terms and conditions for Big Sur, which is the latest version of Apple's operating system, there was a specific reference to permitted ways in which you could use Big Sur on a leased Mac, or rather you could lease the operating system. And uh, Ian said, had I seen it and did the way I was using it, because I rent a Mac from um, Mac Stadium, previously Mac Mini Colo, and I have done for several years now, did I think that my usage was covered by the terms of that lease? And was I surprised to see that? And uh, yeah, to answer your question, Ian, yes, I was surprised. I hadn't considered that my usage might not be permitted, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> and no, you're right. Actually, as I read it, the terms, they talk about developing software and using it for particular kind of software development tasks. I don't think my users do fit into that category. So I'm going to do a bit of homework to find out if that special category is additional value slash permissions for people who do software development or whether my users are banned now. <laughs> certainly, well, certainly Mac Stadium are still marketing these devices for all the types of use I'm making. And I don't think they'd operate in that way if it wasn't within the terms of the license, because they're pretty proud of how they 
operate. But hmm. as I sit here, Ian, no, I don't know. And I will do some follow-up on the show when I learn because I would be very disappointed not to be able to keep using it. I suppose the thing I should say is I haven't actually upgraded that Mac to Big Sur. So whichever terms and conditions apply to Catalina still apply to my device. And I'm going to hold off because it's quite an old Mac and it's just used for um, backup purposes now. But I'll follow up. Hmm. Certainly having a Mac Mini data center has been super handy for me. So I'd be sad to lose that. And Sarge Patel writes in uh, with a little correction, actually, from a previous episode. You and, you and I were talking oh, about on. Volvo Care. Uh, we were talking about subscriptions, and we talked about that lease program with Volvo. Mm. And I suspect it was me. I'm going to take the knock. I think I probably said that the Volvo subscription included all of the maintenance of the vehicle and insurance. Mm. No, I thought it was insurance as well. Yeah. yeah. The BMW program that we've been talking about did include insurance. The Volvo one only includes insurance for the first 30 days, such notice. And I had a quick look and he's not only spot on correct, but he had a load of other useful details about that program as well. So again, yeah. listeners know better than we do. I don't think that would dent my appreciation of that program because I think it's pretty good in terms of the speed you can get a vehicle and the flexibility of it. But I know, for example, when you come back to the UK, yeah. sometimes getting insurance is harder than getting vehicles when you're thinking about having short-term access to something. So yeah. it might just limit its usefulness to people who don't perhaps live here long-term or for some mm. other reason had trouble getting their own insurance. So it's worth factoring in. But uh, I think if you're about to spend 900 quid a month on a car, you're probably doing more research than just listening to me and you. And mm. I hope, actually, that would be my recommendation is do more research than listening to me and you. <laughs> Uh, but thank you, Sarge. I hadn't spotted that, and I really appreciate you noticing it. Yeah, very useful. Okay, then, gentlemen, we should move on, unless you've got any follow-up. Do either of you have follow-up? What are you doing about the obligatory M1 Apple device purchase that you obviously have to make? <sighs> yes. New devices have come out. Ben must buy one immediately. Well, you say that. Yeah, it's, um, it's difficult, because I had yeah. promised myself. I've waited. I, I have a 13-inch MacBook Pro. It's the first Mac I haven't loved in a long time, because it's got the rubbish keyboard. <laughs> and it's one of the lower spec ones and it feels quite slow and it's got eight gig of RAM in it, which feels like not enough for the kind of things I'm doing. So I had promised myself that I would wait until these new devices came out and then buy one immediately. That would be my ward to myself. Right. I don't think I'm going to do that, actually. Oh, these look brilliant, but these are the low end chips. So these are you know suitable for the MacBook Air, the very low end MacBook Pro, and they are limited rafe i think they are stuck with just up to 16 gigabytes of ram on the system on a chip that's right because it's sort of unified memory only thing i would say is some of the benchmarks that are starting to appear now are showing that it performs exceptionally well even against the higher spec intel yep. equivalents and so what apple said about x3 and x6 but i would probably want to wait to see that in real world usage you're right, it doesn't match up to it. Calling it a MacBook Pro, some people have been complaining about, but I think that's as much about the memory as it is about the overall performance. And that's just what's putting me off, because I think performance-wise, I don't need anything faster than what's in those chips right now. But I think I do need more RAM than 16 gig if I'm going to buy something now that's going to last a couple of years. And I'd need to if I was buying a new MacBook Pro. So I'm going to wait for the higher-end MacBook Pros to come out. The Mac Mini I'm using here has got 32 gig, and I'm finding that that was the right decision for me. It's no longer choked by that like my other devices were. So I have to wait even longer. But I had changed my use because obviously I'm not traveling now. So I'm not so fussed about laptops anymore. Mm. Maybe Mac minis are the way forwards. I just have a big stack of Mac minis everywhere I go. Be great. Just carry that with you on the train. Yeah. Can we also ask you uh, about the phone? Oh, yes. Well, the telephone. How's that going? I've got my iPhone 12 Pro Max here, which apart from the silly name is good in every other respect. 12 Pro Max Gear SX. SRI. That's it. Rafe Blanford, do you have your Pro Max or did you upgrade? No, I have not upgraded. I've stuck with the... What? I, I know it's shocking. Yeah. There you go. So I have both the 11 Pro Max and the 12 Pro Max at the minute because I'm in that sort of transitional stage. Mm. It's very, very nice. But of course, EE, yes. my UK-based network operator, messed up. You can't use it yet. <laughs> no, I, well, I can't use it for phone calls. Although to be fair, actually, I don't think I use my phone for phone calls very regularly anyway. Right. But um, no, I haven't managed to move the SIMs across yet because EE botched the process. When did you get the phone? Uh, on last Friday. So... Uh, <laughs> As we record this. That's just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Well, yeah, you need to go to the shop. Go to the shop, you know. 
Take your passport. Well, I can't because in the UK we're locked down and all the shops are shut. So we're going to do it by post. Oh, yeah. So, okay, uh, great. It'll get sorted, but camera, amazing. Speed, amazing. I was doing some document management stuff earlier. I've got a whole bunch of PDFs that I was um, searching for some stuff in. Uh, they're all OCR PDFs. Right. And uh, it's about five times faster on my phone than it is on my Mac Mini to search through this big archive of PDFs. So, wow. uh, yeah, it was really, love the device. Glad I upgraded, but always the friction with the network operators. But that'll be quickly forgotten once it's done and dusted. I did the side-by-side upgrade this year. So I put them in the, they use mm. Bluetooth and then I think local Wi-Fi pairing to do a copy from the old device to the new one when you have right. both devices. And that was really slick, except for the fact it took about an hour and a half, which mm. just felt like a long time to wait, you know, with two devices out of action. But yes. uh, yeah, it was a very slick otherwise. So um, once I've actually had a, a play with it, I'll give it a shout. But um, the promise there, of course, the only, the only reason to get the Pro Max is the, um, well, either you love the size, but actually I just want the camera. And uh, right. I'm very much hoping that the camera turns out to be miles better than all the other cameras, because I think if the cameras were the same, I would have gone for a slightly smaller one for convenience factor. But, you know. Well, they haven't reached uh, Oman yet. The iPhone 12 Pro Max Plus or whatever. The big yeah, one. That one. Yeah. The big one. That hasn't reached a man yet, but it's, it's imminent. Imminent. Yeah. It's the first year that they haven't seemed to have stock problems in as much as you were able to order them sort of mm. a few minutes after the store opened. And obviously that always sorts itself out over time, but it's always interesting to see whether or not there's a, a shortage. So I don't know if that's because fewer people are upgrading because of mm. pandemic or financial concerns or whether or not, I mean, to be fair, I did hear somebody comment that the Pro Max actually is probably the lower selling one of the two anyway. So on days when you can see the demand for Pro Maxes versus Pros more clearly because they're being sold on different days, maybe it separates out. Okay. So we'll see. But uh, so far, so good. My MagSafe adapter is in the post. Ooh. There's a MagSafe shortage right. in the UK at the moment. I know, it's very exciting. I very much look forward to magnetically attaching my charging pad to the back of my phone rather than using gravity. Have you got your credit card thing? That's got space for two cards on the back. No, well, I already have one, so I haven't. Um, I see. It's got my Monzo metal card in it. There, Ooh. it's gorgeous. And your Amex. I've moved from Amex. I know. I read your blog post. We'll talk about it yeah. in a future episode. I think it mm. bears digging into. Mm. Uh, we should hear from uh, his lordship, his excellency. Ray, any news? Well, I think we should probably move on to the uh, episode content because this week I am particularly excited about the topic. All right then. There we go. Well, that's Rafe Blanford's way of telling us to get on with it. I suppose we are. Yes. Well over our introduction time. Thanks for that. But so I was having fun just talking about the things I care about. Anyway. Focus. <laughs> I'll tell you about my Pro Max in a future episode, but uh, so far so good. But of course it always is with Apple. Right then, we should move on. This week's episode is one question, three answers. And that's a format where we try to acknowledge the fact that nine times out of 10, there is no right answer when you've got a question, just lots of different good options. And we wanted to try and give people a taste of the various ways they could solve similar problems. The rules are simple. We answer one question and we each have to give a separate answer and we have to do that in turns. So if Ewan gives the answer I would have given, I have to pick something else to answer on the basis that it's very hard to be unequivocally right on this one. So this week we had a bunch of people write in and as always we've amalgamated those questions all into one. Thank you to everybody who wrote in and we had lots and lots of questions about reading, about entertainment, about those sorts of things. And so I've simplified this down, gentlemen, into the question, how should I read and buy books? There's our question for today. Now, we drew lots just before the show started, and I'm delighted for the first time in the history of 361 podcast, one question, three answers. Rafe Blanford does not go last. I'm going last today. Mm. So uh, I've drawn the uh, short straw there. But Ewan McLeod has come first again. Oh, come on. Come on. It's your winning way. So, Mr. McLeod. You always put me first, right? So that the both of you can go and do proper research. That's what's happening. I mean, I'm just going to take issue with the fact that you think proper research happens in 12 or 24 minutes, depending on whether you're second or third. But other than that, knock yourself out. Literally, every time I've done this, I should take a screenshot and tweet it next time. I see Rafe not doing anything, but he's glued to his screen, making notes for his pitch. It's called multitasking, Ewan. Mm. 
I think that's the difference between the two of you. Rafe worries 12 minutes won't be enough, whereas Ewan thinks we can get 12 episodes researched in 12 minutes. <laughs> okay, so back to the topic at hand. Ewan McLeod, you have 12 minutes to tell us. Yes. How should I read books, including some time for me and Rafe to give you some questions? So go. Okay. So my view is you shouldn't necessarily read books. You should listen to them. I have plenty of time for books and the value of books, of course, but I prefer to listen to the spoken word uh, for a couple of reasons. One, I find it a very useful way of decompressing after a, um, a business day. And then I also like to, having spent the whole day looking at screens, or just, just looking, looking, <laughs> looking with my eyes open, I think it's quite nice... <laughs> It's, sorry. That, that's quite a benchmark, isn't it? Having struggled to retain my eyes open for... <laughs> I've kept my eyes open okay. the whole day. Okay. Um, what, what I mean is uh, the, the, the being able to uh, listen to someone speaking, a really good narrator is just fantastic, absolutely fantastic. So now and again, I do enjoy reading actual books, but what frustrates me is often I'll think, ah, that book, I want to read that book. When I want to read something, I want to read it there and then. So I don't like to have to rely on a physical product. I like the fact of being able to access it anywhere, so I prefer the electronic methods. My preference is Audible, so I use Audible, the Amazon audiobook service. There's quite a few other options out there, but I, I, Audible is a massive, massive favourite of mine. I subscribe to them, so I, uh, I, I don't know what, what it is. I need to, I'm trying to find exactly how much I pay per month, um, and it's interesting that Audible make that rather difficult for you to find out. Uh, yes, it doesn't actually take, yeah, I'm, I've been looking up and down. I don't know. It must be $20, $30 a month, but I get uh, a couple of credits, I think three credits or something like that a month, or is it five or four, four credits a month. And um, We really are knocking the facts out of the park on this episode, aren't we? Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold Subscription is some money and you look, get some just, credits. Just be really clear here, right? So that the listeners understand, a few minutes ago, we decided the question, right? And what Rafe is doing right now, okay, is researching his answer, okay? So I had a quick look. I can't find the, the actual answer for Audible because I'm a member. Yeah, what does it say? An Audible subscription starts at £8 a month if you're right. in the UK. For how many credits? One credit. I will find that out for you. Real-time follow-up. Yeah, it's probably for one. I think that's for one credit. Right, and then what that means is you find the book you want to listen to, like, for example, the Barack Obama one is uh, on the front page at the moment, and that might be $33 or $33 or £23 or something, usually quite expensive, but with one credit, it works out quite effective. So I use my credits and I download the books. I then use the Audible app to do the listening in the car or uh, when I'm in bed or just walking around the house doing work, cooking, for example. I find it really, really useful. And I, I, it's how I get through audiobooks. Sometimes I do fiction, sometimes I do nonfiction. And I think it's a really effective way for me to just consume, consume either the entertainment aspect of the fiction. I really quite like sci-fi or historical fiction, or then just get, if you like business books and, and historical stuff, really useful. So that's one aspect. So I don't do so much reading. If I am reading, I'll use Kindle or something like that on my iPhone. Then I also use a service called Blinkist. Uh, that's a, an, an interesting way. I, I go hot and cold on it. I, mean, I do like it, but I, I use it repeatedly sometimes, and then I take a break from it. And uh, what Blinkist does is it, it, they say serving curious minds, but basically it's a uh, uh, summarized or abridged, dramatically abridged books. So they take, for example, Niccolò Machiavelli, the guy who wrote The Prince, and they make that into 19 minutes. Trevor Noah's um, a recent autobiography, bedtime biography, Born a Crime. Okay, that nine minutes. Wow. Then one of those kind of self-help style book, your first break all the rules, 19 minutes. And then Plato's The Republic, 16 minutes. Now that's a 16-minute read. Blinkist is about £70 a year for a full access to it. And they've got thousands and thousands of these abridged books, but they are seriously abridged. So it's good and it's not so good because it's a great way into a particular book, especially yeah, popular non-fiction books that you may be coming across. Really good way of dabbing into it. But what I will often do is then go and get the audiobook later on. And then when I'm driving, I'm doing quite a bit of driving now, commuting to work, I use the audio version of Blinkist. So what they started doing a little while ago was taking these, these summaries, these blinks, as they call it, and they, they, they make it into an audio-only consumable. So that I find quite useful. It's really useful for um, a particular 
self-help style thing, you know, did you want to get into this or getting into that or here's a great way of doing X or Y. That I think is, is very helpful. And then I also use Feedly for RSS feeds. I will sit down and have a look at the RSS feeds I've collected over the years, some of the famous ones, the big tech websites and so on. I use that for reading. Uh, Instapaper too. Instapaper tends to collect some really good long form pieces. And then finally, I use Apple News for um, consuming long form, but not not book level, but um, long form content. Yeah. Yeah. And this is verging out of the book format, but it's sort of, it's a continuum, isn't it? Yes. It's for, yeah, for the long, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Especially that long form posts or yeah. articles tend to stretch into sort of small book territory sometimes. Yeah, that's right. So the pricing, just because I know we've got a lot of UK listeners, so you're correct. It was seven ninety nine for one credit for right. Audible. That one credit is one book per month. I believe you can add additional ones. Blinkist is nine ninety nine a month, but if you sign up for an annual plan, it's as low as five pounds a month there. If and when you're ready to commit, there's a big saving for those two. Mm. So I'm curious about this in terms of how you fit these in. So you talked about listening to Blinkist and then sort of it piquing your interest and then going and finding yes. something more in depth. Would you specifically get the summarized version of a book and then go and listen to the whole one? Or is it simply that Blinkist says, oh, would you like to learn something about I know, um, human behavior or pandemics or mm. this famous character in history. And then having thought, oh, actually, yeah, it was really interesting to learn about, you know, this character in history. I'm going to go and read some books about them, you know, or we're going to listen to some audio books about them. Yes. Is it more an ideas generator? So I, I find it very useful. So yeah, the Machiavelli's a prince. I got that on Blinkist and I thought, you know, that's, that's, that's really interesting. Then I went and got a great course. There's uh, uh, something called The Great Courses. I don't know if you've come across this. It's thegreatcourses.com, but they're also on Audible. And I found a, a guy who did a complete, you know, hours and hours and hours. This professor's done a, a review of The Prince. Really, he's taken it apart. Really, really interesting. And I really enjoyed that. So I use Blinkist as a diving board. This is slightly off topic, but Benny, have you got any concerns about you and adopting some Machiavellian tendencies? Is that going to be good for the world? Oh, come on. It's just understanding possibilities. No, because he's only going to adopt abridged tendencies, so they won't last long. <laughs> <laughs> the other one I got, you know, Sapiens by Yuval Noah Harari. That's another one I got on Blinkist, uh, really useful. 19 minutes. Yeah, or, or probably a 19 minute listen. I, I think I actually read the book there. But what I try and do sometimes when I'm in the mood, when I'm in the mood, I will do a Blinkist a day. And it's, it's a really useful way of, of filling you know, 10 to 20 minutes. And you've got the summary of it, and the summaries are very, very good, but you do typically want more. And then my preference is then to do it by audio. Yeah. There is an interesting challenge in this world where we've got kind of information overload and only so much time to read all the content that's being created that I can see why the summation is a good thing and Audible lets you listen at another time. Do you do any other tricks like listening at one and a half speed? And I know there are people that listen to podcasts at two times the speed in order to get things done quicker because presumably speed and fast is part of the appeal for you. That's the thank you. But that not, no, I don't like that. And I, I have tried it. It's, I, I actually I prefer a really good narrator and I, I actually like to sample it at normal speed. But I, I know people who love that, love that. I just, I feel I, yeah, that's not for me. And now with other, um, I think we'll come on to this with, with Rafe in a minute, but with, with normal ebook style catalogs, you've got some discovery tools in there. So mm. you go into the website or you go into the app and it sort of tells you people are reading this or people have read that or this is the bestseller or something like that. Or you frequently see books being advertised out and mm. about, you know, sort of advertising, billboard advertising, and those sorts of things. How do you make the sort of the list of things you want to listen to? Because I'm trying to relate your listening habit to how I listen to stuff. Because I primarily listen to podcasts, I don't really think about what I'm going to listen mm. to. I just listen to the next episode that's been published from the things I've already subscribed to. Yes. And we'll talk about finding podcasts another time. But right now, you know, kind of, I don't frequently add or remove new podcast publishers. Right. But of course, with Audible, you listen to your several hours of book. You, you do come to the end. And you're done, yeah. Yes. So where are you getting the next one and the next one from? That's where I rely heavily on Audible. They have some great newsletters that they send out, and they also have a really good, I mean, it's the Amazon-style, Amazon-quality recommendations. 
personalized to me. Over the last couple of years, they have done a really good job of helping with discovery. So they have said, look, these series here are really good if you like sci-fi. Trust us, basically. And I, I have actually gone, yeah, okay, I'll try that. And it's really, really useful that, that. So, for example, I came across some Dennis E. Taylor, a very popular sci-fi author, who has um, done a, a thing called the Bobbyverse. It's a thing. And yeah, these are dozens of hours long, these things. So I'm perfectly fine at the minute, but I've got two hours left of the last book. And now I don't know what to do. So discovery is an issue for me. And I do really identify with what you're saying there. But you can just listen to the next episode. That's a problem. So I do fits and starts. And uh, so I'm coming to the end of an audible splurge. And then I think it will be on to Blinkist again. I think the circle will continue. So if you had to answer the question with just one answer, perhaps people who are listening to this who feel like they ought to read more or want to read more and are thinking, oh, actually, yeah, I have the same problem as Jörn. Like, you know, I haven't got time to sit down and read. I want to listen to it. Which would you recommend? Would you go for Blinkist or Audible if you had to choose? Do you know what? I, uh, I was going to say Audible. I'll go straight with Blinkist, actually. Start with Blinkist, have a play with it and have a look because it's a great way. And you just get, get a, a test account, see what you think. And then the later on, I'd uh, also try Audible. Get a test account. You can get free books there. They're really good. Both of these services are really good at getting you in. You know, they're very friendly for that. But I mean, even with, um, with Audible, you can actually exchange books. If you didn't like it, you actually give it back and get another one. I've never tried it, but, I'm, but when I looked at the pricing here, one of the things that jumps out to me on Audible is that link between the Kindle products as well. So you can read a bit and listen to a bit and you can synchronize your Audible yes. listening to a book alongside your reading. And there is some linkage there if you have books in the Kindle ecosystem as well. But that's probably worth a bit of a look if you're already reading regularly. And I know you can link those products up. A side note here, actually, Blinkist has an interesting note that you can sync highlights to Evernote. Now, I'm rapidly falling out of love with Evernote as a product, but I love the fact that it's more than just the content that they've got there as a product. Mm. They've got some clever things to get the most out of it as well. So brilliant. Okay, thank you, Ewan. Thank you. So Ewan's answer to how do you read and buy books is to listen to them, Blinkist and Audible, two recommendations. And actually, by the looks of things, if you sign up on the annual plans, you could probably have the two of those in the UK for 12 or £13 pounds a month, which is mm. not a huge commitment if you... Uh, Wanted to sacrifice a few coffees or a few beers in favour of doing some learning. Rafe Blanford, you're making a face as if uh, the idea of sacrificing a few coffees is confusing to you. You drew the second straw, so you're up next. How do you read or how do you actually recommend people read or buy books? Well, it's one of my favourite things to do. My reading and book budget comes before my very extensive coffee and alcohol budget, partly because that budget is zero. I don't know how we are friends this long. I really don't. <laughs> so I'm going to go for what is probably the obvious answer, which is an ebook reader and specifically the Kindle and Amazon ecosystem. And you can debate the ethics of Amazon. And we've talked about it in future episodes. We've talked about it in past episodes. And yes, that is a forecast. But for me, it's just the most complete of the systems. And so I want to talk about there are Kobo and there are kind of do-it-yourself system. But for me, my recommendation is for a lot of reading, a Kindle makes sense. And I think there's actually two parts to it. There's the Kindle hardware, which I'll start with, and then the Kindle software, and kind of that full value of the ecosystem. So, you know, the Kindle, the basic one starts at £70. I would recommend most people go for a Kindle Paperwhite at £120, just because you get the high-resolution display. But personally, I choose the Kindle Oasis, which is a bit of an Ewan down and to the right on the Kindle, which hardware should I have? It's got the adjustable warm light. It's waterproof. It's slightly slimmer. It's got great battery life, better screen. And so if you're looking for the optimal experience, and the reason it's important here is like these are e-ink based displays. So they're not the LCD or the more traditional screen types, and they are easier on the eyes. The battery lasts longer, and so it's optimized for reading over anything else. And while the Kindles do have browsers and various other experimental bits and pieces on them, it's really about reading text more than anything else. And obviously, it's all black and white, not in color. The caveat is, of course, that Kindle is available on a smartphone and on a tablet, and for certain types of books, and you might say uh, graphic novels magazines and other highly illustrated books and actually you might be better off on a tablet but I'm focusing here on heavy word-based books and particularly for me it's around fiction there is a kind of a caveat maybe around reference and 
work-based books, but maybe we'll come back to that because I think Ben is going to provide a perspective on that. And I just love the convenience of having thousands of books potentially in my pocket to be able to go back and have multiple ones on the go at the same time. So if you're traveling or even just, you know, around the home, it's really convenient. Battery lasts a long time. And I think it's one of the few examples of where, you know, I like traditional books and I like the feel and I like the smell and I like the kind of tactile experience you get. But the convenience factor is so much better on an ebook reader, the fact you can have as much as you like. And now the refresh rate when you switch pages wasn't very good on the original Kindle, the one with the kind of keyboard and very plasticky at the bottom. Things have come on a long way since those first ebook readers. And I think the experience there is very close to reading a book in terms of the convenience and the way there's no eye strain. I actually do like the fact that you can change the backlight, you can change the font size, all of those custom settings. So if you are tired, it's easier to read on a Kindle than it is to read a traditional book. So for all those reasons, I prefer the dedicated hardware approach. And I don't say this about many things, but the Kindle is the one item that if I lost or it was broken, I would immediately replace. With a phone, I'd probably go back to an older phone for a few days, especially if I was thinking about which one to then buy around iPhone season or anything else. But I would immediately want my Kindle and the hardware that I have back. I mean, I do have some old ones sitting around and I can read on other devices. So that's the answer for me, mainly for convenience, but mainly the hardware experience itself is just optimized for reading. But the other reason to like Kindle is that it makes it easy to discover and buy books. And that's partly because Amazon, e-commerce giant, all the things we could talk about there. And that is things like the recommendations it gives you. And there's integration with Goodreads, which is kind of like a, a site for people who like reading to read about book reviews and get recommendations. And it will sync your progress to that. You can browse on the site and you know, within one click, you've got the book waiting for you when you next open the Kindle. And so that convenience factor is just there from that kind of pay-as-you-go. And quite often, the Kindle books are a little bit cheaper than the physical books as well. They probably should be a lot cheaper given the actual costs involved, given that you know you can kind of scale infinitely with an electronic book. I also think that Amazon has done some smart things with their software, and that's things like being able to add notes. You can put in bookmarks. You can jump back and forth through the book very easily. That's got better over time as they've added to the software. But it's some of the little things like, you know, you can sideload a book. So if you want to use something like Project Gutenberg to go and read one of the public domain books, you can get it onto your Kindle very easily. You can email a PDF that you might need to read and put that on your Kindle, that sort of thing. It's just that thoroughness of the thinking about it. And if you have a Kindle with 4G built in, like that works anywhere. And that's also a nice to have. I don't actually buy books on the Kindle itself very often, but it's one of the really good multi-channel products in that you can buy on web, on mobile, and then have it appear on the Kindle. And that's actually quite unusual in my experience with digital. The only other one that I think gets close to that for me on a regular basis is using Netflix and iPlayer and starting on one device and then picking up on a TV or something like that. There are some things that annoy me, like it's hard to lend books to people and you are locked into the Amazon DRM, and that's kind of something I've accepted. But there's also a few other things to talk about, and just one more I'll mention, which is Kindle Unlimited, which is the subscription service that you can buy, and it's, uh, I think, $6.99 a month. And there's thousands, say Amazon, of books that you can read for free with a subscription. I am sort of a little bit on the fence about this one because it isn't always mainstream books. It's quite a lot of what would have previously been self-published or indie published and now are coming through Amazon imprints. But there are some high profile books on there as well. And occasionally you come across up. So enough to, you know, I'm probably reading a book a month from Kindle Unlimited. But it also has a few magazines. So it has The Critic, it has Empire and enough other magazines that I read would like to read on a regular basis but probably wouldn't buy but when i'm getting as part of a kind of six pound subscription bundle along with a book the value feels interesting to me and if amazon push a bit more on that you know subscription content for books i mean i would happily pay a fairly hefty fee to have any book anywhere on amazon that i could read anytime i like per month because i'm quite a heavy reader it's one of the things i like to do to relax so for me when you ask how should i read books Kindle is a primary reading device for me. 
particularly around reading for pleasure, fiction, reference, historical novels, whatever that might be. I think I'm going to agree with the caveat that Ben May suggests in the third opinion, though. Well, I, I suppose I, 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 there's, there's, there's far too much agreeing in this episode, but I just wanted to do a, a quick sort of... You're yeah. wrong. Well, no, I wanted to do a, the opposite, actually, a quick yes, really, on the screen, because I went on holiday a few times. Obviously, that's a great time to chill out and read some books and read on my iPad and read on my Kindle and the e-ink screen. I mean, it, it's crisper and clearer, but actually, if you're in unpredictable lighting, like in public transport or planes or on holidays or the beach or inside or outside or whatever, e-ink screens are a thousand times better than glass screens like phones and, and iPads. So hard endorse there. And actually, the cheaper Kindle devices are still excellent screens. And they obviously, I think they're subsidized by Amazon, but they're fantastic bits of hardware. And they're almost worth keeping just for those special occasions, given the relatively low cost and they carry on working. There's no need to continually upgrade year on year for that feature. So I, I agree there. Rafe, I'm curious about the lock-in because of course the risk with buying something on Kindle is that particularly if you buy it from Amazon and you know then download it to your Kindle and you do the whole transaction inside the ecosystem. So I don't mean, you know, the Gutenberg books or the side loading or anything like that. You never really own the book because of course if Amazon decides you know you're not allowed to see it anymore or revokes it or if you decide that you don't like kindle devices anymore your access to that book is a bit restricted i assume from what you've said you've just sort of come to terms with that trade-off yeah i mean there's two things to think about here one is just that ability to pass it on just isn't very easy that's actually the thing that annoys me about the drm also you can't have it on more than i think it's six devices which by the time you've loaded it onto a phone or to a tablet very occasionally i run across that problem for a book that's more reference or I'm reading, especially when I'm the last time I read it was on the previous Kindle device. But yeah, I've just come to accept that that's something I'm okay to live with. I would be very annoyed if my entire library disappeared, but I figure that Amazon is going to be around for a while and it realizes the reputational damage something like that would do. And so I'm okay with it. Having said that, for books I really like, I do tend to buy a physical copy as well, partly because I want to lend it to people and partly also kind of like supporting that. And for certain types of books, particularly it's the, it's the reference ones I'm thinking about more. Whereas most of the books I read, it's kind of one and done, and I don't then go back to it. I do have a few favourites that I have paper copies of, but that probably reflects my attitude towards I feel I've got 99% of the value by reading it the first time. And so therefore, I'm probably a bit more comfortable than I would be about normal DRM stuff. I mean, where it gets interesting is in theory, if you read the terms and conditions, Amazon can remove content off the device. And actually, the Kindle Unlimited, you can only have so many books and they can expire and all that kind of thing. And the lending that does exist on Kindle, which is very limited and only in some markets and certain books, is 14 days, which generally isn't enough when you're lending a book to someone. So I don't like those restrictions, but for all the things I talked about, that's something I'm willing to accept because there's a difference between able to take 10 or 15 books on holiday and read the one that you want to or the five that you want to versus loading down half of your suitcase. And that's also the case when you're reading on commutes or anything else like that. It's just convenient. Yeah, the convenience of that device and that ecosystem, I have to say, prompted me to put one more device in my work bag, which is something I promised I wouldn't do, what with laptop and iPad and phone and, 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 and. Okay, thanks very much, Rafe. So Rafe has decided to accept the compromises of Kindle and uh, recommend that ecosystem for all its benefits. Mm, nicely done, Rafe. My turn to go last. So I have uh, drawn the short straw here because I, I agree, as you can tell, I agree with a lot of what you've both said. So I have to find a third way. And I think my answer starts off with having to be quite honest. Mm. And I think a lot of people thinking about this topic will have different answers for different contexts. If you ask them what they would like to do, they will start to talk about wanting to read regularly and you know have recommendations and mm. read lots of different things and constantly be learning and you know kind of taking using it as a way of relaxation, like Rafe talks about. And being you know, constantly curious and fiction and non-fiction and those sorts of things. But I think it's time to be, I think it's time to be a bit honest, and which is I don't have the time or the energy for either of those things at the moment. And perhaps I should. I'm one of those people who thinks you know, it's one of those things I should do. But I've never really managed to make that work because 
I found that I never really managed to focus enough when I was commuting on reading, although on the times I have done it, I have found that using my Kindle device was a more convenient, more pleasant way to read on the go. And I find that sort of in the evening when work has finished and children have been put to bed and meals have been prepared and tidied away, that I don't really find I have the energy. So you and your Mm. Audible recommendation is appealing because I consume hours and hours of podcasts both factual and and also you know some narrative podcasts because i can do that when i'm running or when i'm commuting or just you know sort of additional to some other activity but right they tend to be i like actually the style we're doing now conversational podcasts where it doesn't matter if you sort of zone in and zone out sometimes there's not a heavy reliance on the continuity and so that's fine for podcasts but i worry that if i was listening to stories for example and i zoned Mm. out for a minute or was distracted or something that i'd lose the value of it so to be honest i have struggled with this but i do want to read more and so i have to say i'm going to talk about what i do in terms of what actually works for me rather than what is elegant or what would help me read more and that is physical books so i don't consume many books but the books i do consume actually at the moment i am buying physical books and there's a couple of reasons for that first up is just its presence there physically being in front of me on the desk on the bedside table is a prompt to pick it up and engage with it which is really good secondly i'm increasingly finding that actually there is value in the presentation of the book so the typesetting the pictures the diagrams the layout the structure even just the way it feels the pleasure of handling a nicely produced book uh, as an artifact in its own right is quite nice And then finally, it's the lack of distractions. I'm afraid, particularly if I'm reading on my phone or particularly if I'm reading on an iPad or some sort of multi-purpose device, I'm afraid my focus, what with notifications and the temptation to go and do some email or get a dopamine hit from social media, means I'm very tempted to go elsewhere. And because this is entertainment time, it's not like work where I can say, no, I should, you know, focus. Those things are not for now because I've got to focus because this is me time. And so there's the sort of the guards are off. So right now, the very small number of books that I read, I do tend to buy physical ones. And at the moment, most of what I'm reading is work or reference or something like that. And I find that that is my vastly preferred way of doing it. Now that has several downsides in as much as you have to lug a book around with you and that can be inconvenient and also they get damaged and torn or you know worn out and so I do try and take care of them and handle them carefully but it's an extra overhead but you miss all of the additional benefits that you guys get from audio books and from mm. electronic books in terms of having the ability to go back in the archive later and to remember which title was I reading or to recommend it and I'm finding that I thought that I would need to have all my books in Kindle, that I would forever be reaching into my library and saying, oh, you should read this chapter of this book. It's got a great technique for dealing with this. Or, you know, you should read this book and, and on that chapter, and particularly when we're at work and we're solving problems and you've read something, an interesting case study or an interesting book about some business that's had a similar problem. Mm. But that's the picture in my head. That's not the reality. The reality is that actually if the book is good, you remember it and you can recommend it that way. And so I've done what Rafe's done, which is I buy the physical book. And then previously, I've also bought the ebook because I wanted to have that version available to me forever, you know, in my phone, in my iPad. Yeah, I've done that as well. Yeah. And zero times have I ever gone back and used that reference. It's just a nice idea. I have been able to support authors, you know, by paying twice for the same book, but that's a real luxury. Right. So the closest I come is using the camera in my phone. And actually, for me, the quick way to do it is photographs. I take a photo of the cover to share with people, this is what I read or this is what I liked. And I've got various notebooks and various albums in my photo library that are kind of not photos for the joy of the photo, but memory joggers, reminders. I was here, I read this, I ate that, I did this, Mm. this wine was nice, this is the coffee I drank today. Like a kind of a very low rent, low fidelity journal, you know, here's some things that happened. And actually taking a picture of a page of the book with the quote or with the diagram or with the picture is perfectly shareable. It's perfectly usable with OCR that we have in our phones now. If I really wanted to type in a quote or a text, I could put Mm, it into Evernote or somewhere like that and quickly be able to find it. 
And no, it's probably not the way to read loads of books and it's not the way to read more. But for me, it means that I've got a low distraction way of reading books, but with most of the benefits of being able to go back to the things I was interested in later. So that's me. Physical books. Hooray. (laughs) Do you ever, or have you ever been somewhere and thinking, what is that book called? And and, I really want to access it now. And you can't because the copy, you know, is is 50 miles away. Um, So I frequently, no, not frequently, enough occasions I have wanted to remember the title of a book because I've been talking to somebody. What's that, the thing? But actually, Google's my friend there. Mm. You know, I can go online and I can Google the topic, the name, the author, the things I can remember, and Google will help you find the detail of the book. But I've never, ever felt frustrated that having found that book, I couldn't then flip through to page 75 and find the quote because the conversation's over by then. I don't mean about reading the book. Mm. So quite often when I used to, in the Nordics, when I used to fly three or four times a week, I'd be sitting on the airplane going, do you know what? I want to read that book. I, I, I want to keep reading the one I either haven't finished or and I, all of a sudden it just it pops yeah. in. Either I've got it stored on my yeah. iPhone or just as the plane's you know, taxiing to take off, I, I will then quickly go and get the book and sometimes buy it. In some cases, I'll, yeah, it's one I want and then download, bang, 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 and then I'll spend an hour reading it. It's really, really valuable. And I have, I mean, be clear, I've got a Kindle full of books I've never read. Mm. And I tend to see an interesting conversation or a publisher, particularly a business publisher, publishes something that I like. So I tend to read things about, you know, work and how teams work and delivering and digital and government and all those kind of topics I'm interested in. Yes. And I've got acres of books that I've impulse bought on my phone or Kindle or whatever, because at the time someone recommended it to me, I thought, yes, that'd be brilliant. If I could learn simply by having things in my Kindle account, if I could know what those books said, that would be amazing, you know, and perhaps I will follow your advice and try Audible and see if I can listen to them. But I don't tend to impulse buy books at the time that I want to do reading, Mm. because frankly, I've always got such a backlog and I'm normally intentionally reading. I'm normally reading because there's a thing I want to learn. You know, it's not a, it's not so much of a leisure activity for me. Right. And certainly, like I say, I have bought lots and lots of electronic books, uh, either as PDFs or through the Kindle store at the same time as the paper book, thinking exactly that, you know, oh, one day I'll be climbing onto a plane and I'll pick this up. But Mm. the truth of it is I haven't. And I think that's the danger is that sometimes you can be conned into thinking, you know, sort of one day I'll be virtuous, I'll preemptively buy this and it will trigger me to make more time for reading. Yes. But I'm afraid in my day, I haven't. If I was flying more, and certainly if I was going away for a grown-ups holiday where I would have lots of time to sit down and read, yes. that would be a different scenario for me. And I'd load up the Kindle and I'd love to have a good read. And the Kindle, race right, the Kindle would be the best way to read. But I have to say, in everyday life, for us right now, physical books, they're great, they're convenient, they're loanable, they're transferable. And I think people underestimate the extent to which you can share and remember and capture and get digital value out of physical artifacts. Yes. I guess as always with these things, because I'm third, I have to come up with something, you know, that is different from what you've both said, because (laughs) I think both of those answers are good as well. And in different contexts, they would be fine for me. Well, I also think this is one of the realities where it isn't an either or answer. I think you can do all three of these if you are keen on reading books. And I would really endorse what Ben said about sometimes the layout and the whole physical experience of reading a book. And I would say particularly for kind of reference books or ones that I might want to dip in and out of or go and reread a chapter that I remember. And I do find myself doing that when it's a book around, I don't know, inclusive design or product process and certain types of what I refer to as workbooks. One of the challenges I have had in lockdown, I mean, I've had a bit more time to read, is I actually prefer reading Kindle for leisure and then switching back to a physical book sometimes limits the number of places I can read it. And this is probably a bit revealing. Tell us more. In the bath, for example, (laughs) or when you're very tired, just being able to lie back in bed and just click with a button or swipe across the screen on a Kindle isn't as convenient when you've got a big, heavy book. And so I think it does depend on the context and it does depend on sorry, but I will give a massive shout out for the tactility of reading a book and that physical experience. It's hard to beat and I really do like it. And there are certain memories that are so strongly associated with reading certain books. You know, I remember the place and the location that I read them and the smells and the sounds around that. And I don't think I've had that 
with the Kindle and like reading has been a big part of you know my childhood and then growing up and a lot of that is thanks to my sister and my mum for encouraging that and getting me into reading books and for me it is an important day activity it's how I de-stress and in certain occasions like you can't beat the kind of dog ear paperback and so I just wanted to say that third answer for me is just as part of the reading experience for me and particularly for like reference book I will put post-it notes in and I'll scribble notes in it and that is still easier that's where you know being able to rapidly go back through and just even the action of flicking through a book to find a certain illustration or a page is so much easier with a physical book and I talked about how in most circumstances I felt the Kindle provided a superior experience one area where it definitely doesn't is that kind of dip in and out they've tried to improve it and they've done that kind of rapid preview and all those things but sometimes if I you know notice 10 things in the book I then want to share them and write them up or something like that can't be a physical book and so my recommendation would actually be go both physical and digital when you're reading books. I certainly I don't know if it's more than others but I find I have quite a visual memory and so when I recall a bit of a book that particularly I mean again I'm tending to read things that are useful for work so I'm thinking about you know kind of a case study or a a tip or a technique or something Mm. I can picture kind of where in the book it is and and is it on the right or the left of the page and I can also sort of see what does the book look like you know the cover or the colors or the layout is it black or white or whatever and I find almost sort of all of that picture helps me remember the rest of it and I think there's a temptation because this is a podcast about mobile tech but there's a tendency to say oh by definition it must be better to read it on a mobile device and I think there is a time and a place and I think you've both done good jobs of explaining those cases but I think that there's a, a thing of if you're not regularly reading, if you haven't already proven to yourself that you need to have the audio version or have the e-version mm. for, you know, kind of the circumstances, if you're just thinking, actually, well, I really want to read a book, I would say get as many of those distractions out of the way as possible so that you just have the words and you and nothing else to get in the way to consume that thing. And like I say, sitting there with a physical book and a smartphone with a good camera, for me, is superior in many cases to trying to go through in Kindle and mark out a quote or a highlight or a, a note or something like that and you know to sort of try and do any of that sort of extended sharing or something like that. Mm. And it won't be right for everybody, but certainly for me, I'm afraid I have a tendency to enjoy overcomplicating things. I love, you know, kind of tools and gadgets and techniques. And I think what I've learned actually is that sometimes the best way to enjoy something is to get as much of that out of the way as possible. And I, I sit here, I mean on the camera now you can see behind me there's a book I've been trying to read for a long time where I read two pages and then I'm tired or can <laughs> fall asleep or something. But the point is that that physical book and the way it's laid out and the graphics are all part of the experience. And I'm really fascinated in spycraft and that kind of stuff. And so I read Spycatcher, you know, which is one of the sort of the original, you know, yeah. sort of factual books about the British intelligence services. And that for me was what kind of helped me understand this was it was a subject I was fascinated in genuinely was real page turner but i really struggled to get into it because the act of sitting down all the other devices getting the kindle getting it loaded up it was too it was too much you know there was too many opportunities for failure on the way there enjoying things with digital doesn't mean only digital so there you go there's my cop-out answer (laughs) if you've got other recommendations so if you are an avid reader or actually listener well no, no disrespect but actually if you are somebody who has found a way to read more during lockdown particularly because i have to say i'm firmly in the camp of people who really feel they ought to but haven't found a way to do that yet yeah let us know how you're getting on you know what approach works where are you reading more are you finding that digital products are helping or are you preferring the physical version like me or you know what else did you try i'm curious about your summarized books you and but i kind of worry that i wouldn't necessarily have the discipline then to go and do the follow-up mm. you know that i'd always only know kind of the, the top two percent of the facts you know right and that would be enough for a dinner party but not to make me smarter <laughs> you know so it would be interesting but i am going to give them a try so yeah let us know how you get on if you're a reader and also i'm curious we haven't talked about it very much in this episode but for me my preferences for how to consume magazines are different in terms of whether they're news or editorial or something like that. And so I think it would be worth coming back to talk about other types of reading that are beyond books, because I think um, with Rafe's recent magazine recommendations, I'm enjoying physical magazines 
as well, but only certain types. And it would be interesting to sort of see actually what have we stuck with and why throughout lockdown. Mm-hmm. Okay, gentlemen. Well, thank you very much. We've just spent a show recommending products. If we were one of those smart podcasts, it would be stuffed full of uh, affiliate and marketing adverts and that kind of stuff. Brought to you by... Brought to you by... Yeah, now I'd read you a Squarespace ad. I feel like we're the only podcast in, in the world without a Squarespace advert in. Squarespace, the leading provider of... Exactly. Well, there you go. This podcast is uh, brought to you by the special Patreon supporters. Exactly. Who help us cover the costs. Yes. So thank you to them. If you'd like to support the show, you can support us from $1 per episode. You can go to 361podcast.com slash support. Help us cover the costs of production. If you would like to have a postcard from Rafe Blanford, leave a review, Mm. make it funny, and send us an address, and Rafe will send you a lovely postcard, and you might win a Blanford Estate mug. As always, thank you so much to everyone who writes in with your feedback. It's lovely to know you're listening, and it forms the basis of the next show. And we are nearly to the bottom of our current list of one question, three answers. So let us know if there's any topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes. Gentlemen, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Ewan. Indeed. And we will be back in about a week. See you soon. Bye-bye. Uh, let me see. I had a, a joke. I had a joke for you. <sighs> My friend says he couldn't pay his huge water bill, so I sent him a get well soon card. Uh. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. So Ewan's doing that face, or like when you try and explain philosophy to dogs, you know. <laughs> All right. Last night I dreamed I was swimming in an ocean of orange pot, but it was just a fantasy. <laughs> orange pot. Pop. 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 Ah. It's also hard to explain puns to kleptomaniacs because they always take things literally. That's good. <laughs> I quite like that. Mm-hmm. Right then, should we kick off? Yeah, just let's just bring a bit of energy to this. You know, <sighs> I am getting quite a few comments from people. You know about the um, level of energy we bring to the introduction. You you shouldn't be so self-critical. You're really not that bad. It's not about me. It's it's about both of you going. Yeah, hi. Yeah, hi. Okay. Right. Yeah. You're going to regret this. Try and amp it up then. Welcome back, chaps. It's good to see you. Brilliant. Sorry, I'm waiting for Rafe because he always goes, you know, his lordship goes first right. here. Okay, so let's, let's take another run up at that then, shall we? But can you not do a mumble this time, please? Uh. Energy. Energy, excitement, passion. <laughs> Just move the shoulders and relax. Out. Mm-hmm. We'll shake out mm-hmm. your arms. We're going to shake out our arms. <clears throat> Personal responsibility there, isn't it? Yeah, wake up, yeah. Rafe. Wake up, Rafe. Look, and just before we go, can you give us a preview on what you're sending to people? What does a Rafe Blanford postcard actually look like? Not the front of it. What are you actually writing to them? You're not just doing one sentence, are you? They're generally getting a thank you for supporting the show. Really appreciate you leaving a review. If I know what the review is, I make reference to the review. I then Google them. Then ah, right, yes. I try and find something different to say each time. You know the um. Good luck in the prize draw. Hope you're all right in an uncertain world. What? You know, COVID and all that stuff. All right. If you've got any more feedback or questions you'd like to answer, usually some crack about concrete. And then I sign it from Rafe, Ben and Ewan. So from Rafe, Ben and Ewan. That's excellent. Okay. Yep. And then I put the uh, 361 vinyl sticker in and then the 361 log sticker in. Stickers. There we go. Okay, that's great. Um, I don't think I've got any more jokes for you. Don't, don't, don't feel obliged. <laughs> just, yeah, so. <laughs> Two wind turbines standing in the middle of a wind farm. Oh, God. One asks the other, what's your favourite kind of music? And the other says, mm, I'm a big metal fan. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yes. That's good. No, this is like outtake gold for Mark. Yeah, Mark's just fast forwarding through this. Skip, skip, skip. Just keep going, keep going, yeah. Mark. Five minutes in, we'll be ready to go. I had to work really hard on Mark's postcard to just not spend the whole postcard saying thank you for being amazing and I'm sorry about Ben and Ewan. And I'm sorry about my audio quality. Pardon? Yes, well, I, I should have mentioned that, but I didn't. <laughs> but I did mention Buttery Smooth. Mm. Buttery Smooth. <laughs> Fear not, Miss Abbott. I'll look after this.
Jackson, Jackson, Smythe, Frobisher, and Fisher's solicitors? How can I assist you? And which one am I speaking to, Jackson, or...? No, 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 no. I'm Mr. Bennett, sir. Sir? Okay. You look after all the legal stuff for the Blanford Estate, yes? Yes, we represent the Blanford Estate. In fact, our firm has been honoured to hold that distinction for oh, close to 139 years now. Well, I'm from Wellbred Whole Foods Limited, and we would like to start making Blanford Estate hummus. Hummus, you say? Well, obviously it would be inappropriate for me to give you a firm answer myself before consulting our distinguished client. Well, how about if we send them some samples? Uh, well, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm sure a sample would be a good starting point. Awesome! I'll book the lorry now, then, and look forward to hearing from you. Totes maze! Uh, thank you. Ciao! And good day to you, sir. Hmm. La 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 lorry. Lorry, lorry, lorry. Hmm. Miss Abbott, do you think you could put me in telephonic communication with the Blanford estate? I fear it may be quite urgent. <laughs>